Welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to the second in a new mini-series of PR Moment podcasts where we interview the authors of books relevant to PR and communications people. In the last year or so, there have been a number of books launched by people I really respect in PR. And frankly, I don't have time to read them all. So for partly selfish reasons, I thought I'd interview them on the show. And today I'm interviewing Kate Hartley, who's author of Communicate in a Crisis. Understand, engage and influence consumer behaviour to maximise brand trust. Did I get that right? You did. Thank you. Um, Now, the book looks... uh, And the reason I like this book is because it looks at... Uh, the other side of crisis is not particularly from the brand side. It's looking at the uh, the crisis situation, the psychology of the consumers, um, and it focuses how specifically, in, I guess, modern crisis on the the social media channel um, and how people engage and voice their outrage um, through social media at brands uh, and what the implications are for communicators within that. Kate, for those of you that don't know, is the MD of independent PR firm Carrot and is the co-founder of Crisis Communications modelling training company Polpio. Needless to say, Communicate in a Crisis is available from Amazon and I checked just this morning. Um, But Kate's given me a copy, so that was very good of her. Thank you very much. Um, Now, if you haven't already entered the PR Moment Awards, the final deadline is coming up on January the 10th. So if you do want to enter, you are going to need to get a wriggle on. And finally, as ever, thanks so much to our PR Moment podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Kate, welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Now, there are a few books out there on um, looking at how brands should respond uh, in a crisis situation. Um, but as I mentioned in my intro, you've, you've started with analysis, I guess, of the psychology and the behaviour of consumers in your book. Um, why did you decide to come at it from, from that side of things? Well, there are a lot of books out there and, and I've read a lot of them, as you can imagine, um, particularly doing the research of the book. And I just what I wanted to do was something a bit different. And I wanted to look at why consumers or why ordinary people behave in the way they do in a crisis situation because I think I, I think that if if brands don't understand how people behave then they're not really able to give a really good response that's going to be effective mm. and I think very often organisations think about themselves in a crisis and what their response should be and how to protect their own reputation of course but what they fail to do sometimes is to look at how people are behaving and, and the drivers behind that. And I thought there was a bit that was missing in the market. I thought there were a lot of really good books on, you know, you must, you should, and the processes of a crisis and some really good stuff out there. But there wasn't really anything that examined why people behave in the way they do and how social media has changed that. And do you look at how people behave in the way they do or do you look at it just within the context of social media? It's not just within the context of social media, actually, okay. although social media enables a lot of the things that I talk about in the book. So I talk right. about things like... Um, the, the fact that we're all becoming more and more angry about things. You know, there's outrage everywhere you look on social media. We're becoming very polarised. Now, that's not just a social media thing. That's happening in our political debate. It's happening in all sorts of areas. But social media is really the bit that makes it really visible to, to organisations. And I think that's fundamentally, these are all very human things to do. But social media means that their brands have been confronted with this new behaviour all the time. Right. So what you're sort of um, saying, uh, leaving the crisis bit aside, uh, is that we're... Maybe we've always been angry, but but social media is a is a way of um, bringing that to the surface. Yeah. It's, it's e- easier for that anger to come to the surface in a public forum than it ever has been before. Yeah, exactly. Or, and actually, it's interesting because research that says that we're probably getting angrier. Are we? Because we're being more exposed to things on social media than we ever have been before. So, okay, because um, it's all right in social, we start to do it. Yeah. 
at, in, in our daily lives. Exactly, we wow. start to, and and also we're being we're just seeing more of this stuff. So the way that the social algorithms work, as you know, is that they will send you more information of the stuff that you share, like and and post. Yeah. And yeah. we know from research that we're more likely to share things um, that make us angry, that outrage us. So therefore, you because they're emotional. Because they're emotional, yeah. and and also it's it's that specific emotion apparently that that drives us to share. Right. It's something that makes us so angry we want to act, so we want are to we do more, something. So we're more likely to share anger than humour. Yes, we really. Are. Yeah, we okay. are. We are. Humour is the next thing actually, right. but anger is and anger and outrage specifically is the thing. So, and by outrage you mean something that affects either you or that goes against social norms or something that goes against your values. Right. And but that's so dangerous, isn't it? Because as you said, it's an algorithm of anger yeah, in a way. Exactly. Because you've got and then brands will then get onto that and, and, and people will start and so it'll just sort of yeah. well that's what's happening isn't it? Yeah. we're just feeding this exactly. this channel of anger exactly. okay. and we talk about it as the kind of the outrage cycle so there's right. somebody posts something that is outrageous you've really um, offended me you've really yeah you've really offended <laughs> me the algorithms go oh I know you like stuff that's outrageous so I'm going to send you that stuff so you see more of this right. then you get a group of people who go that's outrageous and they attack the person who said it and then you get this other group of people who attack the first group of people who were attacking the person who originally said it. Right. So you get this sort of implosion of... And that's before three o'clock. Exactly. Right. It's awful. <laughs> and then you get this polarisation, of course. Um, and we're okay. seeing that everywhere, aren't we, at the moment? So I suppose the... Um, I mean, that's I, I can sort of see that within, within social... Um, and it's one of those unfortunate realities of life, isn't it? You would you would long for that not to happen, but unfortunately, currently, right now, it is. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot. To be fair, it, you know, there is an advantage in that direction at the moment, isn't there? There's a lot of stuff going on that is just quite outrageous, generally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so but there is a, there's a lot of fodder for this at the moment. Yeah, um, and actually, that's just deal with that at, the moment, at this point, actually, because the the thing that talking to you before that I, I just thought about was that. The, the the news cycle anyway is 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 a virtual one, isn't yeah. it? So you've got social playing its role, and then it goes into into the wider media and all the rest of it. And presumably, in a crisis situation, brands are very aware of that, presumably. Yeah. And, and and so a lot of this stuff that you're talking about um, is a is is a it's a warning sign, is it, to to a a, 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 a potentially a larger crisis? Yeah. yeah. So we did quite a lot of research into um, how crises break. Um, generally, and and mostly they break on Twitter. I mean, it's not necessarily hugely surprising, but they break on Twitter and then very quickly go into mainstream media. And at that point, the awareness is is such that um, that then you know people start to pick it up on their own personal Facebook pages mm. or in WhatsApp groups, or whatever it is. Um, and I think what what happens in the early warning signs is you, if you can get in there quickly enough and spot what's happening on Twitter, you have the opportunity then potentially to do something quickly that will then stop that becoming a full-blown crisis, depending on, on what it is. OK. Let's come on to those, uh, those, I suppose, tools and things that might give you that early warning in a little while. But I just wanted to, I guess, take, take a step back um, before we delve into detail. Um, I, I get the outrage and the aggression and, and that sort of stuff, but how how is social, beyond, beyond that, how has social media changed the way that, that we, we behave as people in the crisis? Because it's kind of... Um, it's possibly our first point of first port of call, is it, to yeah. within a crisis? So, you know, we're not on the phone anymore. Are no, we? we're not on the phone anymore. We're we're straight onto social media. I mean, most people know that if you want to get hold of a utilities company, for example, the only way to get their attention is on Twitter because it's, it's public. Um, there are a number of things that are happening. I think the 
The outrage obviously is one, but the other thing that is happening is that we want everything immediately and there's an expectation on social that we'll get an immediate response back. Mm. Um, and with Facebook, for example... So, so we're still looking for an outcome. We're not, we're not yeah. just trying to have a go. Well, we do actually both. So okay. some people just want to have a go and, mm. and that's trolling behaviour effectively. So we saw that with um, when Caroline Criado Perez tried to uh, or lobbied successfully to get Jane Austen on the front of the £10 note and then she got death threats and rape threats and all sorts of extraordinary things happened. Um, who knew Jane Austen was so controversial? Um, and it was all, it was absolutely awful. So that when they looked into who was doing that, there were a couple of reasons for it. One um, woman who, when she was she'd been arrested and she went to, to prison um, for sending these threats, and she came out and just said, "I was off my face on drink." That was her her exact words. Um, she had an interview with the BBC about it, and she was just drunk, and she thought it was funny. So there is this sort of idea of trolling as a, almost a competitive sport that people want to push the boundaries they want to they think it's funny and then there's always somebody that goes too far mm. um the the other motivation for for trolling um is to take back some sort of control some sort of feeling of power if somebody feels they haven't been heard then they might just keep going at you until they get some sort of response it's so it's just so i mean these are just all the conversations that used to happen in, in private in the pub yes, and, and didn't really exactly. matter too much exactly. and now they do isn't it exactly. it's just it's... Yeah. and of course we get reinforced for it yeah. so in the pub you might just vent and your friend would say you know you're an idiot or that's interesting and then it would all go away probably yeah. Um, but now on social media, you say something and then, of course, you get the likes, you get the reinforcement for it. So in the way that you sort of train a you know a puppy or a child or whatever, to, to you do something and you get a reward, our rewards on social media are likes, shares, comments. So as soon as somebody puts something out that is perhaps socially unacceptable to us, there'll be other people who will like and share and, and that person thinks, oh, I've done a good thing. Right. So just get that. it's a nightmare, isn't it? It's just an absolute goes, nightmare. You've you, you yeah. got, you got this sort of... Um, echo chamber of anger. Yeah. You've got this reinforcement of wrongs. That's I mean, awful, goodness isn't it? There's how, a lot of good how stuff did it, about how did, it, how did it get? To, how did we get to this? Okay. Um, and there are presumably different types of people respond in different ways. Because it's there's always a a danger with these things that you sort of put the world in one group, isn't yeah, there? Absolutely. And it's just so much more complicated than that. Yeah, it it really is. And and I think that's the most important thing. Is I talk a lot about the importance of empathy if you're an organisation and and by empathy, I don't just mean saying, I'm so sorry this has happened to you in a way that doesn't admit liability and, you know, all those other things that corporates do. Yeah. I mean genuinely trying to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's been affected by the crisis and understand why that individual is feeling the way they feel um, and not lumping everybody into one group. And I think the traditional way of responding in a crisis for an organisation has been, you know, what's my messaging? What do I want to say? And then and then sort of spam that out across every possible channel. We're aware of an incident. Oh, the incident. Oh, my God. So every time I do training, pretty much. I do I do training. Actually, I'm doing it tomorrow, so I probably shouldn't say this. But anyway, I do training. So and this I ask, won't come out for a while. <laughs> okay. And I ask um, students to write a statement on, um, there's been a fire in a factory, three people have gone missing, what's your initial statement, broadly? And they always say, we're aware of an incident at one of our factories. And I say, there is there are flames coming out of the roof. This is clearly a fire. Um, <laughs> why don't you say fire? Oh, we don't know. Don't want to commit ourselves. There is a fire. Call it a fire. I think it's really important. Right. Um, yes. It, I mean, corporate speaks part of it, isn't it? I mean, that yeah, is, is. Uh, presumably your one of your messages, suggestions is that people can make it a bit more Plain personal. Language. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it's one of the things that's a real bugbear, that if you ask people to read out their statements to each other, they stumble over them. And you should be able to say your statement in a way that's just human and conversational. Well, is that incredible 
in tragic circumstances example of the the, the, the CEO of Fishmongers Hall doing the statement the yeah. other day, wasn't yeah. it? It was just, just clearly just from the heart. Absolutely. Knew all the people involved. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, we, just a superb yeah. um, piece of communication in a, in, a, in a crisis situation. And yeah. it's hard to even analyse that as a piece of communication because yeah. it, it wasn't in a way, was it? As you said, it was, no, it was just absolutely direct from he, the heart. He, just, he, knew, he knew, I can't remember the name, was it Thomas or, yeah. you know what I mean? Just knew, yeah. So it wasn't. And so that, I, I just trying to go back to what you said there because it's really important to talk to people in different ways, isn't mm. it? But that's, really difficult to do isn't it because you well, of course on social you, you kind of can't I mean you, you, but everyone's going to see everyone's going to see everything aren't they yeah they are so they are. it's kind of like you can't say well Kate this is what we think to you but Ben we think this differently to you yeah. so I mean what do you, what do you mean by that in, in practical circumstances well I think you need to understand where that individual is coming from or where that group of people are coming from and then address okay. their specific concerns okay. so the facts are going to be the same and your core message is probably going to be the same but you just need to personalise it and make it relevant to the people who are having specific right. issues and we know you're not about this yeah but, okay. yeah exactly exactly right. and I think very often we see Companies just put out the same messages to everyone, whatever their circumstances. And, of course, it doesn't address people's specific questions and then they get more angry. So just just want to talk about that, that, that accepting liability if you say sorry and, and things like that. Um, people are in danger of, of, of getting in the right tangle of that. Oh, if, God, yeah. if you say sorry, if you apologise... Uh, I know the lawyers will tell you not to do it, but are yeah. they right? It's, that's, oh, it's such a big question, isn't it? And and I'm, I'm not a lawyer, I should just say that absolutely up, up front. But there are... I was having a really interesting conversation. Well, well, different lawyers will tell you different things. Yeah, that's they? true. So that's not, true. Yeah. So there are, there are a few things to think about. Firstly is, are you liable? Because if you are liable, then it probably doesn't matter if you admit liability, frankly. Okay. Um, the second thing is, I think you can apologise without admitting liability. I think people understand the difference. And I was talking to, do you know a guy called John Brown from Don't Cry Wolf? He's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a great, great, great guy. And I was talking to him and I'd had a horrible year in 2016. My mum had died. I had a fire in my flat. It, you know, the whole, it was awful. And I was telling him about the fire in my flat. And he said, I'm so sorry your flat burnt down. And I looked at him and I went, did you set fire to my flat? <laughs> and clearly he didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, right. I'm assuming he didn't. Yeah. Um, no, clearly he didn't. And so he, that was just a very human response to say, I'm really sorry that happened to you. That's really horrible. Um, so I think there is a difference between admitting but it's liability. Different, it's different if it's your factory and you're saying. Yeah. So I, it, okay. So yeah. you've got to look at you. It, you have to take some advice. Is really you do. You do. Have, of course, you have to take exactly. advice. Right. But there are also issues like the the really tragic Thomas Cook issue where the two kids died. Yeah. Um, and Thomas Cook didn't say sorry for a long time because they weren't technically liable. That was the advice they'd have from their lawyers, and they had a terrible time as a result. And mm. um, I've heard lawyers talk about that since that event and say actually if you just look at it without any emotion you take all the emotional all the moral issues out of it the sheer cost of not saying sorry the damage to their reputation was greater yeah. than the financial liability they would have taken if they'd said sorry yeah. so even if they had somehow admitted liability that would have been effectively less damaging to them than, than saying sorry so I think that's really interesting. I think that's changing the way people think that that particular it, instant. It is. I mean, I don't. I know a few media lawyers, and that, that I've had a few different conversations around that theme with 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 a with few of them. So it's it's interesting that even now, case law doesn't doesn't seem to give a definitive, yay or nay on that. Isn't yeah, it? and of course it differs in America as well. So it's, yeah, it's good huge point. complications. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, now the, the term crisis communication has become a bit all encompassing, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> because it, I mean. There's so I mean, the fire in the factory is clearly a big one, but there's so many different levels of it, yeah. and some of them are, are more or less serious than not. So it's it's you know, do you try and 
did you have different scales of, of crisis? And it's one of the first things we go into organisations to, to talk to them about is what actually does a crisis look like? And very often people say, there's been a crisis, I've sent out the tweet from the wrong account. You think that's not actually a crisis. I mean, it's an issue, no. but it's not a crisis. And when we talk about a crisis, we mean something that materially impacts the company in, in a way that's negative. So it might... Um, mean your share price drops or you lose sales or your reputation is damaged to the point that you can't operate. And that's a real crisis. So if it actually impacts the ability of the company to operate, that is a crisis. Um, And there are some issues that are just rumbling on. The Nestle baby food issue, for example, you know, people boycotting. There are probably people boycotting Nestle who've actually never bought Nestle products because they were they weren't born when these boycotts started. So there are some things that companies just have to manage all the time. It's not a crisis because it's just their, it's their normal um, and it doesn't actually impact the sale of Kit Kats. So, right. so, so a crisis isn't always short term? or it no, can Well, be... I think that's an issue. I think something like that is obviously very difficult for the company to manage and it, it could move into a crisis if they okay. didn't manage it properly. But actually right. there are some things that just rumble along. You know, oil companies are permanently having to deal with um, campaigns, environmental campaigns, for example, that doesn't necessarily put the company into crisis. It's just right. ongoing issues management. It's a slightly different thing. So it's almost, it's, it's a an relative unusual term. event. It is a relative, <laughs> yeah. it is a definitely a, a So relative you, you can sort of always be in crisis and therefore you're not in crisis. Well, you can but... always be managing an issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like drinking yourself sober or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but the, in terms of the, um, the, the detail of the types of response, therefore, you, what, what, what does that mean? I mean, I, I get that the... Um, if it's a smaller level of crisis, I suppose what you're sort of saying is that there isn't a small crisis because it, it, a crisis is only one that, that impacts yeah. the, the share price yeah. or the, the ability to the firm that's to, exactly to, to what, That's trade. exactly what I'm saying. Okay. And so whereas that, if so it's an ongoing issue, then yeah. it takes a different okay. style of management than, okay. a, than a... A crisis, I think, is something out of the ordinary. Yeah, but they can be, it can be out of the ordinary but not, not terminal to the company. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, so if it's a That'd smaller thing... Okay, so that, right, it's not... Yeah. Uh, and do... So are you saying that you're... The, the, the management of issues is, is, is pretty similar to the, 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 the techniques around how you'd manage a crisis. Yeah, it? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. But I think the, the only thing I would say is different is sometimes you can actually make your issue worse by deploying your kind of top level crisis plan, okay. um, broadcasting your issue to the world. And then suddenly people are going, oh, I didn't know about that. What's that right. all about? And then yeah, you can okay. actually end up marketing your own crisis, which is or your own issue, which is not very helpful. Okay. Um, so I think most organisations will have crisis plans that... Are tiered in order to deal with different levels of of threat, um, and then and presumably scenario one happens, and then yeah, you know there can be a fork yeah, and then, in the road and then here it can go up then, the yeah, it can yeah. go up the tier absolutely okay. yeah right. yeah. Um, and how I mean, you, you presumably that's kind of what you spend a lot of your your, your life training people yeah. on. Um, how how common is it that because you train a lot of people, how, how often does it do they practice it in in reality? Would you say? Um, does every does every community? I always when I, let me put that in context. Actually, yeah. uh, when when I speak to comms directors, um, if they've been through a crisis with their CEO, they always find that they they have a very very different relationship with the CEO than they yeah. did before the crisis. You yeah. know what I mean? So Absolutely. it can be quite a good thing for for the comms yeah, person. Yeah, I mean that's Obviously, a tough if it goes one. Well, if it goes but, well, it can yeah, be. If yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it's awful. Because yeah. actually, the impact when we did this research into into crisis to, to look at how they break and the patterns of them. Um, one of the things that we found was that in five of the the biggest crises, in my view, that have happened in the last five years, um, four out of five of the CEOs didn't have their job six months later. Yeah. So, yes, if the CEO is still in their job and the, 
communications director still in their job, that probably means the crisis has gone okay, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's the a CEO really personal the, threat. The comms director almost certainly goes yeah, as well. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I do, well, let's just deal with that out, the, 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 the sort of post-crisis um, element, shall we? Because there's, I mean, I guess share price drops. Yeah. Product, well, sales may drop. Is yeah. that, how does, just talk us through the... Uh, are there are there some trends there that that what normally happens after a crisis and I suppose yeah. then leading towards how can you limit those as far as as, as best as possible? So there are there are various stages that I always think of in a crisis. One is it's a medical term, which is prodromal, which is the bit where you you know it's going to happen, okay. but you can't do anything to stop it. In other words, it's like when you get the symptoms of a disease, you know the disease is going to come out. There's nothing you can do okay. um, apart from live through it and put in place kind of risk mitigation. And then there's a sort of arc where it goes up into the, the stage of the crisis and then gradually the crisis will will die away. But interestingly, there's a very so, long so, tail. So, so what did you... There was the, the first stage was what? Pro, Prodromal, pro, we call it, yeah. And word. then you're into the... And, <laughs> and, and then there's the crisis arc. And then the crisis arc. It. And then you go into recovery. Okay. Um, and the recovery is the really interesting bit because I think the temptation, if you're a, a brand particularly that is consumer-facing, is you want to go straight back to business as usual and you want to keep going on with your marketing as you were and kind of forget the crisis ever happened. And actually, you, you can't do that. Um, if you look on somebody like TalkTalk's Facebook page or TSB when they've had these ongoing kind of issues, data breach and, and in the case of TalkTalk and tech issues in the case of TSB, every marketing post pretty much they put on Facebook for almost a year after the event had people referring back to that crisis. So right. there's almost no such thing as business as usual after a crisis. Life will never be the same again. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you have to really think about how do you recover. You can't just say, right, now the crisis is over, definitive, stop, let's put all our marketing back in place. You have to think about a recovery programme to build trust again. But but that's interesting on the reputation stuff. Quite often on the share price, it can recover a bit quicker, can't yes, it? Like yeah, twelve, absolutely. ten. I mean, there's no rule of thumb on this, but twelve months later, yeah, twelve months is fairly often. Of, yeah. It's it's back to where it was. Yeah, absolutely. And um, probably at that point, you can start to think about you know going back to your normal marketing. But okay. I still think that if the, the the issue that happens is is trust gets broken in a crisis. That's the most yeah. typical thing that happens: a trust between you and your your customers or stakeholders or whoever they are. And, um, and you need to rebuild that trust. And that's presumably where the, the you know, where, as comms people, the, the whole idea of building up some sort of brand equity is, is so important. Yeah, because if, if no one likes you in the first place, then <laughs> the, the idea that you, yeah. you're probably less, well, you are less likely to, to, to um, survive the crisis, aren't you? Absolutely. We always say the reputation you have going into the crisis is the one that sees you through it. Okay. So you better make sure it's a good one. So all that work gets done. So. The, the poor comms people that get a call saying we're in a crisis, how can you help our reputation improve? It's too late. You, you're stuck with the reputation you had at the beginning of that. Right. And, and people have always, you know, always talk, you talk about that sort of vital hour or so that you have yeah, to respond. Like, presumably that is now, go on, go on, just talk us through some, yeah. the, the, the inside story on that. Is That's it, really interesting. There are the, real debates about that, actually, right. about whether you have an hour or not. Um, I don't, it depends, it? depends. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, great PR answer. <laughs> it depends. Um, I mean, technically, on if you think about Facebook now, gives you a responsive badge if you're an organisation that responds to ninety percent of comments or ninety percent of queries within fifteen minutes. Right. Fifteen minutes. I mean, that's a that's that's setting a very clear expectation of a response within fifteen minutes from an organisation. Um, so, but, in but theory, that's okay for a really big global organisation. But if you're an SME, for example, that's you know, it's, yeah, impossible. It's, exactly, and actually, yeah. it's not that great for a global organisation either, because yeah. especially in a crisis, because yeah. you've got legal to get through and everything yeah. else. It could take days. Bad for everyone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think you probably need that hour. Whether you have it or not is debatable, but you need it probably to get to the facts. Because yeah, okay. you need to know what the facts are. 
But this is where the preparation is so important. So if you have holding statements, just say, you know, we know there's something going on. We're looking into it. We're not sure what it is at the moment. Just human language um, that's appropriate to the situation. Because the vast majority of people are not unreasonable. Going back to your empathising with the consumer, the vast majority of people are not unreasonable. Exactly. You're going to get the shouty people at either side of the scale. It's different if you've got, you know, if it's really serious and it's, you know, it's a a, a life or death situation and the whole whole thing's different, isn't it? But if if it's it's your phone's not working, then it's, you know, it's people are, you've got a bit of time to sort things out. People tend to understand that things sometimes do do go wrong. They do. And if you're very human about it, they definitely do. And you have to communicate before you know everything because if you if you waited until you knew everything you'd be waiting until the crisis was over to well, say anything yeah. it's a balance isn't it exactly. it really is so the sh- so you've got that's a sort of short term thing right mm. you've got a, the short term things are you get some outrage uh, most people are reasonable uh, and then and then sort of the medium term is what you you you've what, what do you need to be doing in that in, you do, in i think the most important thing is communicate uh, sounds really obvious but it's just communicating regularly keep telling people what it is you're doing and e- even if nothing's even if everything nothing's remains happening, the same just say nothing's same. happening we don't know any more than we did 15 minutes ago or 20 minutes ago okay. keep telling people because if you do that you'll stop them hammering you if if they believe that you're going to th- that you're going to tell them what's going on right. when you know something then they'll keep looking to you for information Otherwise whereas if there's this great big gap and silence then all this misinformation, fake news, if you want to call it that, will start to spread, and people will go to other sources of information, which you know may not have your best interest at heart. Okay, um, and presumably, and back to your social media point, that these these days, very often a, um, a cursory look of, of Twitter or Facebook will tell you what's happening because exactly. someone has taken a picture of it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But, um, if it's real, of course. Yeah. These days with deep fakes and everything else, you know, you don't actually necessarily trust oh, that's interesting. So, uh, what you're seeing. Do you, is, is that something you, you, you yeah. train on? Is it you've got to, yeah. you've got to clearly you've got to have a couple of sources for, yeah. for this for this for this crisis. Absolutely, and you've got to see that those sources came from different sources. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you really have to know that stuff because right. there's you know it's so quick to fake anything now, and then you quite and it you, can look pretty good as well. Can look really it? good. Yeah, yeah. It can look really good, and then you get the memes starting, and you could say that's misinformation, but they're funny, so therefore people accept it. But these are all things that. Oh, that you have to look out for a minute. Isn't it? it is a bit of a minefield. <laughs> and some of the issues are really hard, though, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're just things that you don't want to be involved with, but yeah. you have no choice but to engage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that right, actually? If it's, if it's an issue that's really difficult and you're being accused of something you may or may not, well, let's say you haven't done it. Mm. Um, and, and it's very hard to stand up for yourself in that sort of a, in, in a social media. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's what, very so, hard without sounding like you're defensive and therefore lying. So yeah, that's exactly. where where the tone and building and having all that trust that you talked about. We're getting about on to Prince Andrew, but almost by. No, we're not. Exactly, we're not. Right. <laughs> exactly. What I was just thinking, don't do a media interview no. that hasn't been advised by your PRP. But that, but that's just we all just accept that's really difficult, isn't yep. it? If you you have to engage, but yep. it's 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 tough. You it's, have to engage, yeah. and you have to open the doors. You have to just be completely transparent. And tell people what you're doing, and even invite them in to see what you're doing, right. so that they, you know, they believe you. And that's the biggest thing. People people assume that companies lie. There's so little trust about it at the moment. Yeah, so it's, it's happened quite quickly. That hasn't it? Yeah, um, it really has. Whenever I see that Edelman trust, but I mean, things yeah. it goes up and down though. That it does. It's, you, it does. You sort of think, okay, and then the twelve months later, something else has yeah. gone up a bit and down a bit. So. But the thing that seems to be fairly consistent is that our trust in individuals can still be quite high. Depending on who they are, of course, we don't necessarily trust politicians. But when you say individuals, you mean friends people, and family, just ordinary people, okay. people whose eyes you can look into, who you can hear talking. Right. And when you think that a company will normally put out a holding statement that's completely anonymous, faceless, you know, company X confirms that incident Y happened at Z, um, that doesn't really 
do anything to build trust. But if you have no. a person talking that you can see and hear, and you think, oh no, I think he, I, he sounds all right. I believe him. Um, or not. Or, or, or not. Nor, or, well, or, or she. I was going to say. Or, I mean, yeah, that course, tends yeah, to sorry, be a, a, a woman, yeah. doesn't it? And they yeah. tend to that, that some for some reason it's more yeah. more trustworthy in a crisis situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um, and the. The, 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 the business, but you touched on it earlier, but the, the measurement piece of, of impact from a crisis mm. is, you know, when you talk to CEOs and, and marketeers, CMOs and, and comms directors, what are they? Uh, are they thinking sales? Are they thinking share price? What are they? Have they got some... um, sales, share price, reputation, consumer behaviour, the trust? They're all yeah, a whole load of things that they can look at. And, and, and the recovery in all of those just is, is different. Yeah, time. the recovery in all those is different time depending on the severity of the crisis and which bit of those things that impacted. Okay. Um, but what you're looking for is you want to keep measuring and keep taking the temperature, if you like, of what consumer opinion is against and, you. As and for well that, as you, share you, price. you need a before, before crisis score. Otherwise, you, you, do. you, you need never going to know. Normal looks like. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And we, we, you need to know what normal looks like. And that might be, I mean, there are all sorts of things you can measure. You can get very granular in terms of, you know, um, sentiment and behaviour and intended behaviour and beliefs and all those kind of things you can look at. But, you, yeah, you need to know what normal is okay. before you start. Um, and, and go on. The, the preparation element of a crisis, mm. I mean, you can presumably go on. It's almost limitless amount of stuff you can yeah. do, but what if you're advising people within the normal realms of of uh, to, what what do people what can people do? Well, it's all in the planning, isn't it? Really, I mean, everything is in the the planning, the preparation, rehearsal. Those are the 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 things, and you need to have a a good crisis plan. I always think that social gets tacked onto the back of. PR crisis plans normally. Okay. I would put social right at the heart. I mean, I'm, I'm a traditional that's where it's PR background. Kick off, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's going to kick off on social, right. and and that's where you're going to be able to understand how you know whether whether people are angry with you, whether they're behind you, whether they trust you. You're going to be able to get all that kind of proper sentiment analysis from from social media, right. um, and I, so I think it needs to be more at the centre of these plans. And then, of course, rehearse it, which is what which is what we do. Okay. Um, we rehearse everything in communications. You never put your CEO in front of the FT or the BBC without media training them or at least practising them, you know, taking them through a few Q&As. And yet we expect our crisis teams to do that all the time without having any real experience. So I think it's really important, however you do it, whether it's using a simulation like ours or whether it's desktop, whether it's just going through some rudimentary Q&As, just practice and practice. And bearing in mind that you are trying to plan for the unknown, Yeah. Um, how successful are people in anticipating the type of crisis that they may or may or may not come across is it i think most people can can imagine the most likely crisis so most people will know actually i'm likely to face a data breach or i'm likely to face a product recall or okay. if you're an airplane you're, you know so there are trends depending so there are trends, on your sector yeah, which are you can anticipate yeah but i always think that you end up handling something that you really couldn't see coming yeah. um, even if but, that's, but that's midway through rare, the crisis is what you're, oh okay yeah so, midway through the crisis so sometimes. you can have a crisis within a crisis yeah absolutely oh, okay. you can have a multi-layered <laughs> crisis but you know you might yeah, think okay. you're dealing with one thing and then suddenly you get a, a something from totally from left field well or, or the CEO makes a horrendous um, yeah. Yeah. has a horrendous interview yeah. or something like that Okay. and yeah. one of the things I think is really interesting to do when you're either in the crisis or rehearsing for a crisis is to have a group of people who are just trying to anticipate the next things that are going to happen and you can again you can look at social media as one of your sources to say what are people saying what are they likely to say next what should we be preparing for and that should be something that's part of the crisis process as well okay. not just that's done in advance so going back to the consumers and what, what you're sort of saying is if you engage them as a brand and an intelligent targeted way you can have a real effect yeah you really um, really can you okay. really can I passionately believe that I think if you communicate well people trust you 
then you're going to recover from the crisis. Okay. Um, and in terms of the early warning systems, what is that? Is that just buying a, a, the right social listening tool and, and, and looking at your, your your search words? Is there that, are all is... sorts of all sorts of things that you can do actually. And I, I talked to Stephen Waddington about this um, when I was researching the book and about not relying on one single source, so relying on all sorts of things. So you can look at um, social listening absolutely. Um, look at things like regional regional media monitoring. Um, And consumer polling and then put all those things together and work out are there trends that are common across all of them. If you've got something weird that's happening on Twitter that doesn't seem to be reflected anywhere else, then you might want to look into whether or not that's true or whether it's some sort of misinformation that's being spread. Mm. Um, So I think just combining lots of different sources of data is really important, again, all the way through the crisis if you can. And the timing is quite interesting, isn't it? Because you you do see that with with news is that... Clearly, this isn't always the case, but sometimes you can, you might see a, a story a, a couple of days or a week beforehand, and you think, okay, they've got away with that, and then and then a different part of media yeah. comes up, and it it it, it all happens, but a week yeah. before when you thought it was going to happen, which is, yeah. I'm always surprised by that. But yeah, it's definitely, me too. It's definitely the case that you you might think you it might come back and bite you in the backside. Yeah, and there's usually a second trigger, isn't there? So it okay. might be something that somebody thought was well, that's not very interesting or it just got a little spike or and you ignore it. Quite new say, exactly. Um and then something else happens. So for example with the when the TSB had when TSB had all their um uh tech issues um, I think they're having them again now. They're having they? them again yeah. now, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of an ongoing thing, isn't it? But they had a big spike in in um, in complaints from from customers over the, the tech issues they were having. And then when NatWest had a similar tech outage, TSB, of course, then got referenced again. So you see this little yeah. uptick in in negative mentions again. Right. Um, so you're always under more scrutiny when you've had a crisis. So if there's something that's gone on and then something bigger happens, they'll, people will refer back to the, the first issue. And presumably, if you keep making the same mistake again with a slight nod towards TSB, p- people become ever ever less forgiving. Yeah, ever le- absolutely. They'll just, they'll just walk. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. And they'll make fun of you too. <laughs> well, that is... There's always that, a lot of humour that comes the out at the end of these things. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, Kate Hartley, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.